Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From one ear to another, this is a Mag's Creative Production. What a treat we have today, as today I'm joined with the winner of Series 1 of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, the Vivian. Viv and I met on Celebrity Juice a couple of months back, and today we bonded over our shared love of all things podcasts. As a believer that you can learn a thing or two about someone through their listening habits, we learn a lot about Viv today, including her passion for Jurassic Park with the Jurassic Park podcast. Viv also celebrates the podcast from her drag sisters like Girl Group Gossip with Cheryl Hole and Sibling Rivalry with Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. Along the way, we also have a good owl natter and hear about Viv's journey in drag and how the last few years have treated her since she's flown into the spotlight. So let's get started. Here's the Vivian on Castaway. The Vivian, welcome to Castaway. Hello, Laura. How are you? I'm really good. How are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. We just mentioned off um, <laughs> off recording that the last time we saw each other was that, well, the first time we actually met each other was at Celebrity Juice. So you mentioned that this is a, a bit more of a safe space. <laughs> yeah, well, last time, last time you were wearing like a bodysuit, wasn't it? Like a black bodysuit, very Olivia Newton-John. I was wearing something that wasn't appropriate for how pregnant I was and hiding it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have to tell you now, I'm in my slippers today. Oh, well, I'm sat here in full drag, sequined gowns to the floor. No, I'm not really. I, I'm so glad I didn't have to get in drag. <laughs> in my head, in my head you are. Um, I want to ask you, since since I last saw you, which was also the first time we met, how have you been? How has 2021 treated you so far? Do you know what? I'm good. I think every day is a new challenge and a new mental struggle. I think the first lockdown... I was quite happy that we had a lockdown pretty selfishly because I was never at home, always touring. And then it was like, oh, this is nice. I get a couple of weeks off. This will be over in a few weeks. Cut to six months later and then second lockdown. And then that was a bit harder. And this third lockdown is really, you know, I think taking its toll a lot more. Hopefully there's an end in sight soon, but then you kind of watch the news and you go, oh God, when is it going to end? And, you know, being a performer, not being able to be on stage and get that love from the crowd you know sit, mm-hmm. sometimes sitting performing to a laptop or stuff like that you don't get the same feeling as you do on on stage but just happy that we can still work still work from home and crack on that's what we're doing we're, we're cracking on as much as possible we kind of adapt that's the good things about us uh, humans we just ad- adapt to it whatever way we can and also I don't know about you but I feel like more than ever I love storytelling I love people's stories I love talking to people whether they're you know people in the industry or just my neighbors I feel like I talk to my neighbors more than ever <laughs> I feel like you're that type of person are you like constantly loving the chat and the communications Oh, definitely. I mean, the, probably the, the most chat I get apart from my husband at the minute is with the postman, um, who I've made very good friends with because I think his daughter was a fan. So every time the postman knocks, he's asking if I've got any new merch I can give to his daughter. So that's nice. But yeah, I love a good chat on the phone with my friends. Mm-hmm. I love sticking a good documentary on, hearing new stories, learning about things. And I think that's the best thing that's come out of this lockdown. You know, so many people are learning new stuff whether it be how to use a camera whether it's be you know doing a podcast my mm-hmm. husband has just learned how to style wigs and so I think that's a good thing to come out of it and yeah yeah I can save money on wigs now because I just get into make them all well this is the thing I was I remember like the first lockdown I was like okay I live with a comedian which is fun but like would be great to live with a chef wouldn't it <laughs> or a mistake <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I'm with you on that. I do, I do enjoy laughing, but I, I've trained him up well. So, you, you know, you can always train. Um, congratulations, by the way. I know I've seen you since you've been married, but you've actually had like a lovely few years from winning uh, Drag Race UK, the first one ever, to getting married. Are you quite an optimistic person? Because I know the world kind of stopped a little bit in the last year, but it has been a very positive time for you. 
yeah, it's been great. And, you know, touch wood, I can't complain. I try and count my blessings every day and look at the amazing things that have happened, like winning Drag Race. And you know, even just small things, I always say things happen for a reason. You know, the wedding, I mean, technically we weren't supposed to be married by now. We were going to get married this year, but then things fell into place and we ended up getting married a year early. And then a few months later, lockdown happened. So, I mean, I just, you know, counting my blessings that we did get married when we did get married. Otherwise, we wouldn't be married by now. Um, But yeah, you've just got to look at the positive things. You know, I've got friends who haven't been on Drag Race but do the same thing as me and didn't get that exposure. You know, they've not been able to work for like nine months. So, you know, I've been doing little things, trying to raise money for the local queens. And, you know, just always look back and think about how lucky you actually are, whether it be a small, tiny thing that makes you smile or just try not to look at the negatives. And I always try and live my life like that. That's a good way to be. Um, talking about podcasts, we're on a podcast and we're going to be talking about podcasts. It's a rabbit hole of podcasts. But I love the long form. I love chats. I feel when you do something like you've, you've worked in television, you know how television is. It's edited. You do, you know, you can record and record and record and things are edited. I quite like the space of a podcast because it's just chat and it's there. How do you feel about the space? Because I know you've had a podcast, you've been on podcasts, you listen. What What is your opinion on the space of the podcasting world? I love it. Do you know what? When you do a podcast, you can sit down with a brew next to you. Like you said, you can have your slippers on and just really get stuck into a really nice conversation. Whereas sometimes when you're on TV, you're constantly thinking about how you look or how is this going to come across or how you sat or as you saw on Celebrity Juice, that's a runoff for a wee. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we only got 20 minutes in. You had to go for a pee. I was so embarrassed, but it made it made a funny little bit. Yeah, and I, and, and I think I, and that ended up on the show, actually. That was kept in. <laughs> I was so happy that happened and they kept it in. <laughs> well, speaking of being comfortable and, you know, having a brew or whatever, you you did a podcast with, with Bagger. Yes, we did, which was a new experience for us because I've guested on podcasts before, but having your own podcast was a lot of fun. We haven't been able to start season two yet, but I'm sure we're going to because she's super busy. I'm I'm really busy. Yeah, so hopefully we do season two of Fancier Brew with Vivian Bagger, <laughs> which is just basically us talking crap for an hour. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm the Vivian. And I'm Bag of Chips. And welcome to another episode of Fancy a Brew or Summer. The podcast where we talk about everything from drag, pop culture, and talking some shite. On today's episode, we are talking Pride. Woo! We are also talking about RuPaul Drag Race All Stars. And finally, get him back on the stage. Oh, Miss Bag of Chips, we are now I've been in lockdown for a hundred days. How are you coping, girl? How is your head? Oh my God, how's my head? Well, I've um, I've, I've had many complaints, to be honest, um, and <laughs> many <yeah>. refunds. <laughs> I have to pay them, darling. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you have sent me over a recommendations list, which I'm very excited by because I've, there's quite a lot of surprises in there, I have to say, but we'll wait till we get to them. <laughs> I was like, oh, I did not expect that, but we will get to that. But um, you, Right, I guess the whole premise of, especially with Baga, someone who you shared this incredible journey with, it is just two friends having a bit of a natter and we get to eavesdrop. Definitely. And I'm, I, I think that's the nicest part about it, especially, you know, once we get to the list of some of the podcasts I love, that's my favourite kind of podcast is listening to two friends having a good old chat about a subject that they love and that you love as well. You know, I kind of get, it's my, it's my time to kind of geek out and listen to the things that I'm a bit of a geek about. <laughs> well, let's just go to the first one that I want to talk about, because first of all, thank you, Viv, for bringing this podcast into my life because I've never heard of it. The Theme Park Duo, it's made up of uh-huh. husband and wife, and they talk about what they're interested in, which is all things theme parks and amusement parks roller coasters <laughs> uh, i mean there's a niche there's a niche for everything tell me about this podcast how you heard about it where you listen to it tell me everything i mean i think this this people listening to this podcast now are going to get a good insight about what i do because i think people think because you're a drag queen all you do is like have glamorous photo shoots and make music videos no what i like to do is really geek out about theme parks i'm a huge 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 theme park fan if i could go away anywhere tomorrow it'd be florida which i was actually supposed to be in florida at the minute but thanks covid and i just literally typed in theme parks on the podcast search and found this couple in america and i love their kind of 
A, their love for for theme parks and Mm -hmm. just listening to something that you're so passionate about. And, you know, because they kind of keep me in the loop about what's going on in Florida because they live there. So, yeah, I get to listen to what new roller coasters are coming, what's happening at Universal and Disney. And, yeah, just like you said, just having a little ear into a conversation about something you love. So they're great. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. On this episode, we talk theme park memories. You're listening to episode 102 of the Theme Park Duo podcast. Prepare yourselves for an unforgettable encounter. Hi, and welcome to the Theme Park Duo podcast. Grab your park map, Chiro, and hop in line with us as we take you on a coast-to-coast adventure through the world of theme parks, haunts, conventions, and more. Now, here's your hosts, Nikki and Gabriel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Theme Park Duo podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Gabe. And we are the, the Theme, Theme Park, Park Duo. Duo. Welcome, everybody, to our second episode of the season five of this adventure into themed entertainment. And they review all the rides, but I, this is so interesting because I would never have, I guess I wouldn't, I, when I did see the list, I was like, theme parks. I wasn't expecting that. Maybe I just, yeah, I assume, I assume there'd be a lot of drag there. And I, I mean, I love a theme park. I don't know if you saw this. There was a recent episode of Don't Tell the Bride. And he, he surprised her by bringing her to a theme park. And she was blindfolded still in the wedding dress. And, <laughs> and I'm that not going like to lie. perfect wedding. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't so happy. And I, <laughs> but I'm thinking, actually, you probably wouldn't have minded that. I was have been made up. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have been made up, honestly, all I do in my time, in my free time, I either sit on YouTube and watch all the, the new theme park videos, or I sit in the bath and listen to theme park podcasts. So give me a blindfold wedding on a roller coaster and I'll take that any day. <laughs> okay, let's talk, let's talk roller coasters. What's your favourite one you've been on? Talk to me. How how scary are we going? Are we going classic like teacups in Disneyland? Are we going for the dodgy <laughs> stuff? I grew up in a seaside town, which was like kind of a shit Blackpool. <laughs> Um, I shouldn't say that it's a lovely place but we used to get once a year the theme parks would come but they they've been doing the rounds so they're a little bit rusty and rickety so it has a different element of danger (laughs) what about what's your experience kind of growing up of roller coasters and your favorite ones well I've not really talked about this a lot but my mum's side of the family are Romany Gypsy Mm -hmm. with that we have a lot of showman and traveler friends so I think my love of theme parks and everything kind of amusement based whether it be casinos or arcades or fairgrounds or theme parks. I think that stems from growing up around it and, and, you know, doing a bit of work on them. And I think that's translated into my older life. So my, my, I love a good themed ride. So I love a good scary roller coaster, but kind of a dark ride, you know, like the Jurassic Park ride, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll talk more about Jurassic Park later. (laughs) So I love a super themed ride. I love looking at the details how things are done and then a good old thrill at the end of it which is Jurassic Park ride all over so I cry when I go on the Jurassic Park ride not because I'm scared just because I'm very I get very emotional whether I be in a theatre you know I just I love watching things and being overwhelmed by the magic of things and I Mm. think theme parks and things like that that just it's just perfect for me. Well, I guess it's fair to say theme parks are they're theatrical, aren't they? There's like I remember as a kid being very lucky to go on our big holiday to Disneyland. It was the biggest thing. To, to, I mean, I think it was like one of the first times I got a plane, and you feel like you're in a movie. That's it. Well, I and I love, love, love. I, I got to take my husband David for the first time to Florida, and just seeing his face and seeing those feelings, I, I really got. I think I got more out of seeing him, you know, than, than me actually experiencing it. Um, but just as soon as you go into places, you know, like Universal, just mm. the theme. And like you said, you, you feel like you're in a movie. The details and the even the, you know, the, the cast members, as they call them, they don't call them staff. You've done lots of interviews. And this is probably, theme parks is probably not one of the questions that you get asked. <laughs> you were quite young kind of when you first discovered them. Do you remember the first ride you went on? Or the, the, the first ride I probably went on was probably at one of a friend of the family's fairground in Rill, which was yeah. probably it was like a, a haunted house kind of ghost trainy kind of thing and then the the biggest one because I was actually scared of roller coasters so our first ever family holiday to Florida 
my dad was fuming with me because I wouldn't go on the big ones. He's like, I've brought you all the way to Florida and you're not even going on the big rides. <laughs> but um, I go on them now. Now you do. Well, the podcast we're talking about is uh, the theme park duo. Gabriel Montoya, who is one of the hosts of the podcast, he says, to me, theme parks are about making memories with my family, no matter what age. I've been looking at everything from a different perspective and thinking about theme parks. It's about building special moments. And you're right. You know, you look back and they are like pivotal moments. And normally it is a moment shared, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because my my mum wouldn't go on these big rides either, as well. So my mum was always the one that was holding the bags. Um, and you then need when I was younger, to do that. I was, yeah, I was yeah. stood with her. But like I said about you know sharing the moments with people, I went with a friend Bobby to the Hollywood Universal mm-hmm. a few years back when we were in LA. And again, because he's ne- he'd never been to anything quite like that. I mean, because I think the UK theme parks compared to the American theme parks are a whole different ball game. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. say the name of any, but we went a few months back when a certain theme park reopened, yeah. and we were just kind of like we had such a thrill on the rides, but everything around it just wasn't the same because there wasn't that theme and there wasn't that magic, and um, there's probably rain as well. <laughs> yeah, you need the jazz hands. I remember speaking about you know mom holding the bag I I don't know what age I was I think I was the right height to go do you remember when you have to be the right height they measure you do you remember that at the top of the queue and you're like all the little kids stood on the tiptoes please let me on and I remember my friend who was with me was too small to go on it I was just about the right height my mother and the other parent there wouldn't go on it so I went on it by myself and you know the way they take they take pictures you know you can buy a picture yeah. I ended up, in all the pictures that we bought I'm by myself with like Aww. a random family so all these memories <laughs> I have is like me and this actually I remember I still have one um we've got and my mom says it's me and then this Asian family because we we went <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I love that. Just Um, let the kid go on the roller coaster on their own. They'll be fine. It was, you know what it was? Do you remember the one that's an an elevator that drops? Oh, like the Tower of Terror. Yes, that's the one. That's quite a big one to go on on your own as a kid. So well done. Thank you. (laughs) The memories. Um, The theme park duo, it's full of reviews as well. So it's informative as well as a little bit of fun too. Now you did touch on Jurassic Park. And I mean... Again, I feel like when you came on Celeb Juice, Viv, you came on the wrong episode because we did it. We did it. I was. I was Do you fuming. see that? Laura, I was fuming. It was like two episodes after my yeah. episode. Me and my husband just sat and looked at each other. I was like, oh, no, I would have been in my absolute element. <laughs> and we spent um, the entire prop budget on the, the T-Rex that they the brought. The T-Rex. I was, <laughs> I was saying, Jesus, they've gone all out this episode. <sighs> I got, I think, what did I get? A bloody glory hole in a bog. (laughs) (laughs) You got to do a bit of karaoke to share as well. We're we're very appreciative of that. Well, I I was all right about that bit. I was happy with that bit. (laughs) Okay, so talk to me about the Jurassic Park podcast, because first of all, how do you find out such a thing exists? I'm assuming, do you kind of just go into, similar with the theme park one, you you search for it? Yeah, well, a little backstory about Jurassic Park. I do not know where this love of Jurassic Park came from. I liked the movies as a kid, but it wasn't until I was about 19, 20. Do you know what? I think it was actually from going back to Universal going on the Jurassic Park ride and just realising how much of an effect it has on me as a kid. It's so strict. I've got, so I've got two legs full of Jurassic Park tattoos. Mm -hmm. I've got a room full of Jurassic Park merch. I sit in my spare time painting dinosaur models. I'm a huge, huge, huge Jurassic Park geek. So then, I mean, if 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 I'm a geek about something, whether it be theme parks or Jurassic Park, I look for a podcast on it. And then I came across this podcast. Everyone, remain calm. Back for more, huh? Oh, yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and, and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? <laughs> This was all John Hammond's dream. Hold on to your butt. Seriously? Well, we're back. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 263rd episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we are back with your letters and calls for the Jurassic Mailbag. Jennifer Evans once again joins me to sift through the mailbag and get to the bottom of all of your thoughts and concerns for the first time in 2021. Um, it was created back May 2015, which actually is quite old in the podcasting game because I feel there's been so many in the last few years. Yeah, um, and they've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes. It's quite crazy how much you can actually talk about Jurassic Park. <laughs> you'd be surprised. But if you think about it, the amount of people who worked in it, um, it's hosted by Brad Jost, and it kind of gives you a lot of behind the scenes. I think we love that. We love a little bit of behind the scenes. Yeah, and it also crosses over as well because you can kind of get the, they they always seem to know everything first before anyone. I think they get a little bit of insider tea as well. So they've just announced that the, well, it was a few months ago now, they kind of announced that the the new Velocicoaster, the new Jurassic Park coaster was coming to Universal Studios. So you get that nice little crossover of theme parks and Jurassic Park as well. You're such a geek with this. I love it. (laughs) I know. I'm proud. I'm proud. So where did it start? Did it start when you first watched the film growing up? I think so, yeah. And then I started getting a few of the toys when I was a kid. And then it kind of died down. I I don't know whether I just forgot about it or I got preoccupied with other things. I think so the love of it was still there. I just think I got a bit more into makeup and that side of things. But then when I went back to Universal, got on that ride again. And then the music for me is such a huge, huge part that John Williams score, oh. I think, is the best. And fun fact, that was actually my wedding theme. We walked down the aisle. Not to that exact version. It was like an orchestral version. I'll send you the link. It is stunning. Oh, my God, please do. Um, that was like a non-negotiable with my husband. I was like, please, 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 can we walk? And he was like, I am not walking down. <laughs> the bloody... Aisles to Jurassic Park, but then I played in the version that I found, and he absolutely loved it. And you can kind oh. of see people on the wedding video, people going, "Is this Jurassic Park?" And they're like, "Of course, it's Jurassic Park. It's Vin." I mean, it's epic, though, isn't it? So I feel like weddings are epic. So why not have an epic tune? Exactly. He, he, I think he drew the line about me wanting a Velociraptor to follow us down. <laughs> down the aisle. What do you think of the new films, the Chris Pratt films? So I love them. I think Jurassic World, Jurassic World 1 was just such a big run up to the movie. Everyone was so excited about it. I thought they did an amazing, amazing job. And then the second one, Fallen Kingdom, I thought had some great bits, but it it felt a bit rushed in the storyline. But Jurassic World 3 Dominion is coming very, very soon. And I'm so, so excited about that. Well, I I need to share with you because Jurassic World, when they brought that out, I was sent over to New Orleans to do a behind the scenes show about Jurassic Park and filming it. Um, It was never aired, Viv. (laughs) But we, myself and Alex Zane, we were sent over and there was really bad weather. So they had to cancel a day and we ended up, we're in New Orleans. So you can imagine in New Orleans what it's like. We had a few drinks. Uh (laughs) And then the next day they brought us onto set because they were still making the film. And I was interviewing Bryce Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. I I can't even remember now. The drinks are still in my system. And Chris Pratt, but we were doing it on set and I, I'm a fan oh but I'm not as probably big a fan as yours but to actually be there we filmed all this stuff and then in the end the channel for other reasons weren't able to do the movie show so nobody has seen oh, any of those interviews if you've got a bootleg version send it me over on whatsapp <laughs> but it was incredible and what you were saying with theme parks, it did remind me of being, when I was on set and yeah. there was dinosaurs there. And when we went in on set, like I felt like I was in a theme park. So I, I can see the maybe the draw of why you love theme parks so much because it yeah, is like a movie set. I've been doing some um, research as well and you can still visit the set from Jurassic World 1. I think yeah. It, Jurassic World 1, yeah, it's somewhere in Hawaii. And I think it's very expensive to go. So um, maybe after COVID. <laughs> so Second honeymoon. They've got the whole um, Indominus Rex paddock is all still there and loads of bits, you know, that the tourists can go and see. So I'd love to do that. And I think they were filming in Pinewood for the new one. 
so there was an opportunity for me to go to Pinewood to film something that got cancelled. And then obviously because of COVID, nobody else was allowed on set. But I was on the phone to my manager going, please, please, please pull every string you've got. Talk to everyone. Please get me on that set. Obviously we couldn't, but never mind. <laughs> the world knows of your love of Jurassic Park now and your knowledge too. But also, yeah, great facts that the Jurassic Park podcast, if you want to find out more, um, do check it out. And even if you're not the biggest fan of Jurassic Park, or you don't think you are. Like I, I've never met someone who doesn't like that film, that it doesn't bring back some memories from childhood. I think it's one of those films, it's, you know, it's on every Christmas. Yeah. And I think it was such a game changer in the movie world. It was one of the first to use animatronics. Of, it's aged well. You watch back the old oh, ones. So, so good. And you know what? Sometimes I prefer seeing the animatronics than I do to, you know, the CGI, CGI dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, and when they brought the CGI dinosaurs back, I think it was from Stan Winston Studios. He did the original movie. But when in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, when it was the big Brachiosauruses, it panned out and, and it died in Chris Pratt's hands because it was a real animatronic. It was moving, it was breathing. It was just the most emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And I just think that strikes a chord more than, I, you know, seeing anything CGI. Well, what we had on Celeb Juice, I'm devastated you didn't come that day because it was animatronic. <laughs> it had this massive robot being, oh, it was incredible. It's fantastic. I loved it. Oh. <laughs> Don't talk to me about that anymore. I'm fuming. Also, do you remember, I remember when I first saw the original with, is it Sam O'Neill, isn't it? And Laura Dern. Yes. I remember being petrified that this could happen because, you know, they have that crystal or whatever the bug is in they extract the blood from. Yeah. I remember <laughs> thinking, like, that could happen. They could, the dinosaurs will come back. I always thought that, like, it, it, you know, it is quite a believable storyline, even though there's dinosaurs running around killing people and stuff. But um, <laughs> I think it could happen. They've done stuff similar, but not with dinosaurs, right? Viv, I feel in the last year anything can happen. So if the (laughs) the dinosaurs come back, it wouldn't shock me. (laughs) Um, And talking of Sam O'Neill, and it's Laura Dern, isn't it, who played Ellie. They're all coming back for um, Dominion. (gasps) So apparently they're going to have every character or or as many characters across the franchise come back. What about Jeff Goldblum as well? Do you remember Jeff Goldblum was in it? Jeff Goldblum's fact. Well, he was in in the last one. So I'm sure he's coming back for the next one as well. And I've got a, Laura, you're going to have to come round and we're going to have to show you. Well, once you're allowed to come round, I'll show you my Jurassic Park collection. I've got John Hammond's cane with the amber on top with a mosquito (gasps) in it. I've been collecting signatures as well so I've got got Laura Dern, Sam Neill and I really 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 want a Richard Attenborough one god rest his soul. I thought when I went to Keith Lemon's house that he had a lot of interesting stuff in his house but I think you may rival him. And you know what I I, I think that is the reason I I love 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 Keith Lemon because Mm. I love what he does on TV sitting on Celeb Juice watching what he does you know as a professional and watching the way he works I'm so Mm -hmm. in awe of just how amazing he is. You know, as soon as that camera's on, he's just hilarious. He does his mm-hmm. job. He has fun. But then seeing him off, he, I, I think he reminds me a lot of myself. Not, I'm, I'm not comparing how talented he is, trust me, because he is phenomenal. But I mean, his, you know, his onstage persona and then yeah. his offstage persona, you know, his crafting channel on YouTube. He's a massive, massive geek, just like he me. Is. And we have, a, we have a good old chat about things when we get to see each other. Oh, <laughs> and we're huge, both it. huge fans of Vivian Westwood and, yeah, I just, I that's where it. your name came from, wasn't it? That's where the name yeah. came from. Yeah, I was. I, I moved to Liverpool when I was 16 and started doing drag and everyone just started calling me Vivian because of my love for Westwood. So it just had to be Vivian. Have you met Vivian Westwood? No, I wish. But I, I've heard she sometimes can be spotted on Clapham Common just having a walk around with her yeah. fella. So uh, maybe I'll go and stalk her. <laughs> <laughs> Try and be casual about it. Just be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't do it in drag well yeah, I'm, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's plenty of drag queens taking a stroll through Clapham Common to be fair it's fine and I mean I mean how lovely for her as well that you know this huge character who's won Drag Race UK and stuff was all based on your love of her well her, the name was oh I always wonder how she'd take it because I'm called the Vivian so <laughs> but I, I, it's not supposed to be like the Vivian is in the one and only it's just like the Vivian <laughs> I love it there. All my social channels are the Whitmore. I remember in school, so I love it there in front of it. Why not? Give yourself a title. Give yourself a title. Uh, right, I need to move on because you've given me so many great podcasts and and actually ones we haven't talked about before. Sibling Rivalry. So Sibling Rivalry is a podcast with Bob the Drag Queen who won Drag Race Season 8 and Monet Exchange who won All Stars 
So it's like we were saying before about just two good mates having a good old natter and a laugh. And Bob the Drag Queen is so, so hilarious. So sibling rivalry, they basically get on, have a good old chat. They'll either be reviewing episodes of Drag Race that have just passed. They'll be talking about things like the presidency. They'll be talking about things like things that have happened in the world, whether it, so it's a good, it's a good round podcast of it's, it doesn't really stick to one topic. And just listening to them talk that they do this thing where they're constantly kind of better in each other. So Bob, the drag queen will just dig into Monet exchange, no end, which is always funny. And like trying to prove each other wrong on things. So it's just, just a lot of fun. Great to stick on in the bath and have mm-hmm. two mates having a good old chat. Spoiler alert. By the way, if you have not watched Drag Race yet, log off, log the fuck off. This is oh, not yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about literally all the spoilers. We're literally going to talk about the entire show. So if you haven't watched it, don't fucking like, don't listen to this. And then get some yeah. message. Be like, guys, I can't believe you said this bitch. We're telling you right now. Don't listen. Right? If you haven't watched the show. But also, bitch, I cannot believe Corvette. we are. Next week will be, I think, eight episodes. Is this week eight fine. episodes or is next week eight episodes? That You're was so, so stupid. <laughs> Corvette, Corvette, hop in the motherfucking jet like that. Um, y'all can see this later. I'm doing a little dance. Um, I can't tell. I'm, Jacob, hold your hands up. How many episodes have we done, have we been watching so far? Eight. They have made it through eight episodes. Next week will be nine episodes. And you include the COVID special. And we've only eliminated four people. Just that so we're clear, crazy. my season, the entire, my entire season had nine episodes, <laughs> including the finale. <laughs> they were sending bitches home two at a time on my season. <laughs> it was your season. I think your season is the shortest season in Drag Race history, right? I do. I, I have the shortest season in Drag Race even history. Shorter than, um, even shorter than season one. That's dra- sad. Drag- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Also, Monet Exchange has been named as one of the inspirations behind Marvel's first drag queen superhero called Shade, which is pretty awesome. Yes, I think they they based it on quite a few drag queens. So Dax Exclamation Point, I think, they, and then, then the Vixen. So it's got a nice amalgamation and and a great what a great thing for marvel to do i think it's absolutely amazing talk to me about the drag family and stuff because i feel like it feels like a family oh definitely i think drag families in america are really uh, you know a thing when you start doing drag you can kind of get like inducted into the house of you know whoever whether it be bob the drag queen or Monet exchange in the uk you kind of you start drag and even though there's friends you know you have your friends circle we don't really announce it as a drag family kind of thing you know you're kind of on your own per se but you've still got your friends there whereas America it's such a family thing to be part of but then as a whole I think drag queens are a huge family you know we all we all do the same thing we all you know love what we do and it is nice to have that community of people to fall back on and talk to. Speaking of community and I do feel like podcasts are a community because you can find similar people to you like whether you love Jurassic Park loads or theme parks loads you find your people and even with sibling rivalry you know this community 
talking about things. I'm just wondering, for you growing up, you, you were born in was Wales, but you grew up in Liverpool. Is that right? Yeah, so I was born in Wales, moved to Liverpool when I was 16 to pursue a career in makeup and then everything else just kind of followed. <laughs> I was going to ask you, because obviously for now, for like younger generations, it's nice to be able to you can kind of Google things, you can find people who are like you or things that you're interested in. How did you kind of fall upon the drag scene and learn about, about that as a career path? Well, I first kind of found out about drag. I think the first time I was ever exposed to drag was on the drag special of The Weakest Link. So that was years ago. I didn't know what drag queens were. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know what the word drag meant. It was just kind of a a thing that I saw on TV and forgot about. And then cut to when I was about 14, I'm I'm a huge, huge, huge Cher fan. So I was Mm -hmm. just YouTubing Cher performances. And then I found this video of her performing in this tiny little gay bar and I was like what the hell is Cher doing performing in this tiny little gay bar and it wasn't until I read the description it said Chad Michaels as Cher I was so my mind was just blown I was like what this is a man he's the spitting image of Cher he's before I was like this is crazy so this just sent me into a massive you know, rabbit hole of research and these other people. I found Derek Barry doing Britney Spears. And again, I was like, that's Britney. I was like, that's, that's Britney's, I can't, what? I was just like, no, this is not happening. So then I got really good friends with Chad Michaels. We started talking online and, and then he performed at our wedding, which is amazing. So then moving to Liverpool, I worked in makeup and I worked at a bar called Pink behind the bar when I was um, 16, but I was said I was older. <laughs> you do know what we call in Ireland, we call it a Nadine, a Nadine Coyle. Have you heard about that Girls Aloud? Oh my God, yes. You know the story. <laughs> in Ireland, it's the biggest thing that ever happened. I think I watch that clip every now and again just to put a smile Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Brilliant. So yeah, working behind the bar in a gay bar and then seeing the drag queens and seeing how much fun they were having. So I just Mm -hmm. spoke to the owner one night and said, can I have a little go of this? I think I'd be dead good. So he was like, yeah, go on, love. I'll give you a blue wickers and about 20 quid a night. And then that's how it all started. <laughs> it sounds kind of almost like meant to be. Did you find, do you have any obstacles kind of when you were like, this is the path I want to go? And do you find, I guess, growing up very accepting or, yeah, just, just wondering what that was like for you, because I feel like everyone has a different story. Yeah, touch wood. I think I always knew it was going to happen and become a drag yeah. queen because even when I got into makeup, looking back now, it was kind of like I was always preparing myself and putting myself through the ringer of learning these skills so mm-hmm. that once I became to be a drag queen, then I was already okay at makeup. And, um, you, you know, thank God I've got a very accepting family and they were, I think they were a bit shocked at first because they put me through private school at first. I wanted to be, you know, like a doctor or something else. Yeah. So then for them to see me kind of move to Liverpool and become what they thought was me either wanting to be a woman or, you know, it, and I think once they realised I was safe, I was happy, I was doing something I love and it was just purely for entertainment, I think they were absolutely fine with it. And then living in a place like Liverpool, which is kind of accepting, I think it was it's one of the more accepting places in the country, especially at that time, God, 12 years ago. There wasn't too many setbacks and kind of like bullying or anything like that. So I'm quite lucky, really. Were you always an entertainer? I mean, you're so good at impersonations. Is that something you just always knew you were good at? Or when did you discover that you could have a few voices yeah. and take on characters? <laughs> I think my huge love of Robin Williams kind of did that to me. God, I mean, when he yeah. departed us was just, that sent me in a really bad place mm-hmm. for a couple of days because he was just fantastic. And him being influencing me as a younger kid I was always kind of like the class clown I was always doing like Mrs Doubtfire impressions in school I was always taking the mick out of the teachers and then I kind of I I don't I'd say like I do impressions but I wouldn't say I'm like a voice you know I think some voices just speak to you like the Donald Trump and the Kim Woodburn and like Mrs Doubtfire and things like that So, so sometimes you know I think some voice impressionists can really study a a voice and do quite a lot whereas it takes me a, a long time to kind of nail them to a point where I'd want to do it on stage but it just seems like you're a natural entertainer that you kind of have that I don't know it's like were you shy growing up were you always that person that kind of people gravitated towards and you you said you were the class clown were you that kind of person who just kept people entertained at all times Oh, constantly, whether I should have been doing it or not, if you ask <laughs> many of my teachers. <laughs> uh, but I, got, I did, I think the first time I ever did drag 
was the first time I ever performed as a woman, but I never saw it as drag, was my GCSE drama examination. And I played the very kind of like Mrs. Bouquet-esque head teacher of a school, which was really fun. That was the first time my mum saw me with a, a wig on. And then when I left school at 16, I thought, right, I'm going out with a bang. So it was the last school disco ever of, of me being able to attend. Mm-hmm. So this was just after Britney Spears performed Gimme More at the VMAs, just after a comeback. And uh, I, I locked myself in the bathroom at home for about three weeks every night, learning the choreography to Gimme More, went and bought a crap wig I think robbed a pair of my sister's hot pants. I didn't have heels or anything, so I wore cowboy boots. <laughs> and then I burned Gimme More onto a CD. Didn't tell anyone at school I was doing it. Bearing in mind I was on the rugby team at this point. And I hid in the back of the disco, got ready into, let's call it drag, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I just walked up to the DJ and said, play track one. And this video is on YouTube. I will put it on my socials so people can look at it. And I performed Gimme More in drag in front of the whole school. (laughs) And what was the reaction? Everyone went mental. Like it was just, it was hilarious. I think mm-hmm. no, no, nobody expected it. I think because I was out in school, I was out at 14. Yeah, so yeah. You know, my, my last three years in school, everyone knew it just wasn't a thing anymore. So I think people seeing me dressed as Britney Spears was just like, oh, well, that's James. <laughs> and then when you got that reaction as well, I think like any performer, when you're on stage and you you feel that the first moment you get that on that scale, you kind of, that it, you get a thirst for it, don't you? That was it. You get bitten and you don't turn back. That was that was it. I think that looking back at it and thinking about it, that was probably the one time where you thought, wow, this is this is brilliant. And you know, I think any performer will tell you there's no other drug like being on stage and hearing that crowd mm-hmm. chanting your name or singing along with you. So I just love it. I want to talk about another pal of yours from Drag Race, Cheryl Hole. And we were talking about girl group gossip. I was talking about Nadine Coyle. <laughs> oh, she was in Girls Aloud when there was another band in Ireland called Six. Um, this podcast is girl group gossip with Cheryl Hole. And we love a little bit of girl group gossip. Tell me about this for those who don't know it. Well, not that Cheryl Hole has ever mentioned it, but she does love <laughs> girl groups. Yeah, so it's a podcast. Um, Cheryl Hole is the host and she has guests on it each week, whether it be other drag queens or people from girl groups. And it's just basically Cheryl talking crap like Cheryl Hole does about girl groups and her love of girl groups, her favourite songs, her favourite girl group moments. She's definitely talked about the Nadine Coyle incident. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it, and you know, it's always nice to hear your friends talking on a podcast because you get to hear them talk about the love that they have for something, which you wouldn't necessarily, even though everyone knows Cheryl loves girl groups, but you get to really hear them in their element and, you know, talk about something they really, really love passionately. So it's always nice to, and it's always nice to see your friends doing well as well. I've got another question and it is, do you remember where and when you got in the group? Uh, Do you have an amazing story about that? I'm sure it's really interesting. Yeah, so um, myself and Matia, we went to um, primary school together. We were in the same class since we were like nine years old. So we would always sing together. And I always knew that Matia was sort of, I think from the age of like six, kind of touring with Filipino festivals and kind of singing in studios. And then one day her dad met a guy called Ron Tom in, a, uh, in I guess, a supermarket, I guess. And they kind of got speaking and Ron was like, hey, I own a studio. And Mitya's dad said, I've got a daughter who can sing. And then Mitya asked me to come to the studio session with her um, just to keep her company because, uh, believe it or not, Mitya was very shy when we were kids. And I was kind of like a confidence-like like person beside her I guess like get kind of gave her a little bit of confidence so she wanted me to sort of come because she was like I'm recording this song with a girl called Siobhan and it's kind of like a duet and I'm a bit shy and I said that's fine don't worry so I came um I remember asking my mom (laughs) if I could go um and I was just reading the magazine and they were working I guess and um at one point the manager Ron came out and said hey Mutia says she sings with you at school um, can you sing something? Which I did. And then uh, he said, why don't you record with the girls today? And I was like, okay. And then we just blended so well with harmonies that it just, the, the sessions stopped. Yeah. So they were sitting in the studio and they were like, 
oh, well, my friend sings as well. So you couldn't have been in the band if Mutcher didn't pipe up. I listen to podcasts sometimes to get a different insight, say into an actor I'm going to interview. Because if you, if you hear the kind of radio interviews, sometimes they can be a little bit formal. And a podcast, I feel yeah. like a bit, bit more of a relaxed side. And I was talking to Edith Bowman, and she was talking about how she was listening to Table Manners that Jessie Ware does, and her friend Kat Dealey was on it. And she thought it was really interesting because she just heard a different side to Kat Dealey. Obviously, she's been friends with her for years. But yeah. when you hear them having a chat with someone else, you're like, oh, that's my mate, but I didn't know that. Or I've seen a different side. So it must be quite nice just to, yeah, just to be able to kind of tap in and a friend and be like, oh, no, what's going on or what she's thinking about. Yeah, definitely. And a perfect example is that as well. You know, if there's any RuPaul fans watching, yeah. you know, we get to see when we see RuPaul in an interview or when we see RuPaul on TV, it is very, very RuPaul doing his job. Whereas his podcast, I know we're not talking about it, but his podcast, What's the Tea? You get to see such a different side of him and yeah. Michelle, you know, talking about the old days in New York, talking about things that he probably would never mention on TV. But yeah, just I love seeing that different side to people. Why do you think people are different in podcasts than they are on television? Is it, I don't know, like it's a safer space, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It's such a safer space because I think the people, you know, if if I was to go on, I don't know, say Lorraine, yeah. I would be having people watching me, you know, like the Joe Beer can or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. somebody who might take offence to the way I live or they don't agree with homosexuality or anything like that whereas I think if you know if you're looking for Cheryl Hole podcast a you mm. know who Cheryl Hole is b mm. you probably love drag and c you probably love girl groups so you, you can it's it, you're tapping straight into your target audience already who's your favorite girl group oh my favorite girl group oh as a DJ I, well as an ex-DJ I'm probably gonna say I probably threw girls aloud on more than I threw anyone else on Really? What's so, your favorite Girls Aloud song? I I love the old stuff like Sound of the Underground. I think as a as a oh my god, and as their first single, that was just was it their first single or the yeah. second? Was the, it was the first because they did was a pop stars the rivals and they were yes. against the boys and the boys came out and sang this ballad. And then they came out with this, and it was like, yes. As soon as you hit, as soon as in a club, as soon as you hit play on all the gays are just like, yeah, (laughs) oh, incredible. And then, can you say, do you have a favorite in Girls Aloud? My favorite in Girls Aloud, probably, probably Shazza. National treasure, isn't she? Oh, and, she, and we got to meet her on Drag Race, which was crazy. And she, and she was so, so lovely. She gave me nice comments, so she's still my fave. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the whole Drag Race experience, because what ex- an experience it was. You know, I know it's a competition, but when you entered it, did you go in expecting to win? This is always such a hard question in the way that I answer it, because mm. I always try and live my life, you know, thinking about the positives. I'm very into like the universe and, you know, the law of attraction and stuff. So I think if you go into anything, whether it be Bake Off or whether it be, or even like in normal life, like a, a driving test or something like that, I think if you go in with the mindset of, oh, well, you know, I might not win or I might, I think if you go in not knowing that you're going to win, but knowing that you're going to do your best and you want the best possible outcome. So I knew I was going to go up against some amazing competition and knew it was going to be so, so hard, but I still just thought to myself, right, take every day as it comes, have fun with it. And I don't want to say hope for the best because that sounds negative, but want the best and do the best. Mm-hmm. I like that. Want the best and do the best. I mean, it is such a phenomenon, that show. And, you know, you mentioned Cheryl there. Like, so many people want to be guest judges. Who for you out of all that time that you met that that really stuck with you? Do you know what? And it was it's probably the person that I would have never thought about. It was Andrew Garfield on episode one. You know, I remember watching the episode. Again, similar to when we start talking about you love Jurassic Park and, and theme parks. I never knew he was a drag race fan or expected it, which is me prejudging, but I, I loved him. <laughs> judge away, Gail, judge away. But, um, did talk it, yeah, yeah, it all boils down to, again, being the, this huge worldwide phenomenon. And I could not name, if I sat and tried for an hour, to name another show that has had the cultural impact and mm-hmm. pop culture impact as Drag Race has. I mean, it's just, you know, not even to the fact that people love it and it's got this huge fan base. You look at Drag Race and it is branching out into every country. Every week there's a new 
country announced that they're filming it at. But the, it's also given all the contestants this going from drag queens to being able to perform at Wembley and DragCon, the convention, and seeing mm. the amount of people that turn out for it. And you think, wow, this show has changed the world. And, you know, it's a double-edged sword sometimes because some people love it, some people don't like it. It's, it causes a lot of conversation. But I just, I think what RuPaul has done is just absolutely incredible. And, you know, it's got its good points, it's got its bad points, but I just think, wow, and I take my hat off to RuPaul. It's just fantastic. And being the history books now as the first ever winner for UK must be an awesome thing. That's history forever. Yeah, and you know, I, I forget all the time of what we actually did on that first season of Drag Race. Mm. I still look at myself as, you know, Viv the drag queen from Liverpool who goes around gigging and has fun. And then sometimes you get tagged in things. I got tagged a few times over Christmas. People had got this this book uh, for Christmas as a present off friends and it was called 50 Drag Queens Who Changed the World. And I was like, oh, that's camp. That's And they were like, no, look, you're in it, in the, like in the middle page. I was like, okay. what? I was like, that can't be me. And you kind of forget sometimes what you are doing for people. And I think when you read your Instagram messages as well, you re- it really hits home, mm-hmm. you know, about people saying that you saved their life through your addiction story. And I, I get really, really emotional sometimes when dads and mums, mess- especially dads, messages in this day and age and say, my son wants to get into doing drag. What should I do? I don't know where to start. And I always respond and I say, well, YouTube's your best friend, but don't stress too much about it because you're already doing what you should be doing just by supporting and loving your son. So, and again, it's just boils down to drag race and how it's bringing drag into people's living rooms and showing people that it's entertainment and it's fun and just love your children. They'll be fine. You always seem to be such an open person, Viv, even from when you were younger at school. You're very, you know who you are. You knew who you are from a very young age. How is it when you suddenly get the platform of being the winner of Drag Race UK? Because I guess when you're very open and able to talk to you, you've got your mates and your crew and you've got your drag community. And then suddenly you're on this bigger platform where you are doing shows like Lorraine. And, you know, people do know you. You are a face now. How have you coped with that transition? I'm not going to lie. It's It's been hard. Some parts have been harder than others. I think the TV side of it, sometimes you have got to bite your tongue on and really think about of an answer before you say something. I think the social media side of it, I will always tell people just never read the comments, but you're always your own worst enemy. You're straight in the comments mm-hmm. and sometimes they can really hurt. And I think mm-hmm. people don't realise the effect that it can have on a person, whether it be comments on a post. And sometimes people will go out of their way to tag you in a vile, horrible comment. And that is, you know, after everything that happened last year, um, Mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking sometimes, but you've got to just remember that sometimes people do in the comments don't understand what they're saying. They might be really young kids who watch the show of Drag Race and and think you're a drag queen on TV and and, and it kind of finishes once they turn the the episode off but we're real people and we sit there with our phones in our hands most of the time especially during lockdown when there's nothing else to do and <laughs> it's just yeah so if anyone's watching just just remember that people are we're all are people human. yeah, yeah. And, and you're right you do forget that you do forget when you see someone on television you think of the glitzy side you think of them on television without considering the real person behind it yeah. who feels and it's okay to feel and don't get me wrong, sometimes I'll pick my phone, you know, if, if we're watching a TV show and I'll go, oh God, look at that, that's wrong. And then you pick your phone up to go. And I think the thing that I do most of the time is if I really feel the need to chime in on something, I'll write the tweet. Think about and then it. And I'll delete it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Think about it and delete it. Never respond straight away. Like always give yourself a few days or just, yeah, as you said, write it. And then you don't need to put it out on a public forum. That can be your thought. Yeah. And it, it will spread like wildfire. Like Twitter mm-hmm. is just, you know, you can you can put a comment that you didn't you didn't even think about. You just hit tweet or reply, and then you wake up the next morning and it's a whole thing. And you're like, why, why, why did I do that? <laughs> Especially when there's been a few cocktails that have been drunk as well. I think there should be some oh, sort yeah. of, a breathalyzer <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> breathalyzer. That's a good thing. You should write to Apple. Put a breathalyzer on your phone. <laughs> Oh, Before I let you go, there's one more podcast to talk about and people who are fans of Drag Race will know, well, they'll know Ross for many reasons, but a straight talk with Ross Matthews, also from The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, talk to me about straight talk. So straight talk is, again, just a really good bunch of friends. Ross Matthews is the host 
Um, he's a guest judge on Drag Race. He had his own show years ago. He was on Jay Leno. And it is just ridiculous. I suppose it's kind of like a celebrity juice kind of format. You know, mm-hmm. he's the host. It's a panel. So it's basically a panel show. And it's just ridiculous. You know, the things they talk about, they all have their own segments. So Fagsy Malone has his segment that's called Balls Deep. And he kind of like goes balls deep on a story or a situation. They do the news. They do all sorts of things. Nikki Boyer has like a ghost story section on it or a freaky thing. So yeah, it's just it's a, a good group of friends talking crap about crap, but in a really funny, funny way. And listen, again, like I said about watching Keith Lemon work, when I listen to Ross Matthews, he's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hilarious. If you, if you ever get bored in the car or the bath, stick straight talk on it. It will definitely put a smile on your face. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> OMG. <laughs> Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear the news? Did you? Did anybody know? I don't know if you heard it, but did you hear the news? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Chardonnay. <laughs> posture. Me a little pitchy. And tempo. <laughs> tempo. Play, the, play that song that makes daddy walk down the aisle. Chardonnay. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Do you want to see it? Yes, <laughs> yes please. Uh, the Ring. Beautiful. This is oh The God. Ring. Uh, let me tell you, a bitch knows how to keep a secret. There's a bitch kept a secret. And <laughs> yeah. you three bitches know how to keep a secret for a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you knew and you knew and you knew. And if the yeah. audience doesn't know. Um, what, are they, what are you talking about? The gentleman caller and I have become as they say engaged chardonnay tempo tempo <laughs> someone turned the page for the deer i said memorize a song just sat there like a fool oh my gosh congratulations thank like, you so much so i mean i know i've said it a million times but to say it here in front of the straight coppers like we i've never seen so much support and love from a group of people on a page like we all felt it in fact i had a life coaching client can hold on chardonnay can you shut the fuck yeah, up this is like so annoying shut she's just up this is too much chardonnay someone nice close she's up. practicing but it's just too much close the organ lid on her fingers please it's a little cryptic too thank you oh, wow <laughs> thank you my god I was going to ask you, because you did mention the bath there. It was a, a place where you listen to podcasts. Is that your usual place? Depending on what the podcast is, is where you listen to it. Like if it's a funny one or if it's kind of more specific or niche, like is it the bath? Is it going for a walk? Is it driving? Yeah, the bath is always the one before I get into drag. So usually I'll get into the bath. I usually I like to be about an hour in the bath once I shave everywhere ready for drag. And mm-hmm. then the podcast will carry on into my makeup routine. So I think that's how I think that's how I first ever discovered podcasts, to be fair. I used to get bored putting my makeup on and there's only, you know, so many times you can stick your favorite album on. And mm-hmm. then I found these podcasts. I think I'd heard Rue talking about it. So I think What's the Tea was my first ever podcast. Was it through RuPaul then that you kind of got into podcasts? Yeah, definitely. It was it was What's the Tea. And then you kind of go into the rabbit hole of, you know, once you've once you're up to date and listen to the whole backlog of the first one you've found, yeah. then you go and find another one and do the same with that. And then you're up to date. So you find another one and do the same with that. So yeah, I think my favorite podcasts are definitely the kind of unscripted kind of chats with friends and and there's some great people and Ross is one because obviously he's friends with lots of different people like Lisa Vanderpump and Rosie O'Donnell and uh, yeah. and no topic is off limits and I guess for for a lot of people too it's an insight because you kind of feel like you're one of the friends too and you kind of feel like oh and, and probably sometimes you feel like you know these people way too well because you've well, heard them talk so about everything. The craziest part is when you've ended up on Drag Race and then you, you're listening to your favourite podcast and then they start talking about you and you're like what is <laughs> Like, David, who I'm not? Was that my name? But that's, that's insane. That's amazing. Ross Matthews as well, he's just released a new book called Name Drop, which is an autobiography style read that showcases spicy celeb stories. And my, my, what many stories he has. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, I've not read it yet. I do we need to get a, a copy. But we love, yeah, we love a good gossip and drama. 
I love Bro. it. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for bringing so many new podcasts to Castaway. It's been really incredible and really insightful because there's lots of things that I guess if we were doing a normal interview on television, I wouldn't get to talk to you about. So it's been great. I know you said you're hoping to do a second series of Fancy a Brew. Yes, hopefully once me and Bagger have got 10 minutes between us, we will get recording, I promise. <laughs> I love it. What are your hopes for 2021? What else have you got coming up you can talk about? Not a lot I can talk about, but you know, there's a lot of tours that have been postponed. So hopefully yeah. we can get touring again. A lot of bucket list things coming up, something I've wanted to do for years. And I'm also branching out into, still still through the form of drag, but mm-hmm. stuff that I you've probably not seen me do a lot of. So maybe a bit of acting, maybe a bit more of... Music. There's more music coming and something in the beauty industry. So that's very, very exciting. I'm really, I really want you to bring out some sort of like dinosaur range or something though. <laughs> I just like something really <laughs> Well, yeah, hopefully you might see me in a Jurassic Park movie. In a few no, years. There you go. There you go. Make it happen. Uh, the Vivian, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on Castaway. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully see you soon. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.